you're not in a place where no one else has been, that you're not, in, that you're not going through a situation, circumstance, whether it's health, physical issues, spiritual issues, emotional issues, you're not alone. And that there is, out of the scripture, the Lord tells us, He says that uh, there is one that has been where that you are in all areas of life. He, he has already, he's already overcome so that we can be an overcomer. And it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that there has no temptation that has, that, but that has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But with the temptation, he will also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I want to look and dissect this uh, scripture just a little bit this morning. We're going to be in several passages of scripture. Uh, you can write these down as a point of reference uh, to go back through in your own personal study time to be able to draw some strength from God's word, to be able to battle the enemy in whatever situation, circumstance that you find yourself in life. That there is no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. That's encouraging for me to be able to read, to realize that where I'm at right now, this day, the feelings, the emotions, the different things that may come later on uh, in the course of this day is, is not something uh, that someone else maybe isn't going through in the very immediate or that, but has already been through. And when I look at that, <coughs> I think, thank you, God, because he gives us all through his word accounts of just that. He gives us testimony after testimony of men and women of God that have been broken, men and women of God that have went through extreme circumstances of life, uh, and that they have come out with joy in their heart for the Lord. And that's who I want to be as a man of God today, is a man of joy. I don't want to walk this earth and to walk with my countenance down and to be depressed and to be in an emotional upheaval, which when you, it don't take much talking to people today, even in the church realm, that you see that cloud of despair that just kind of lingers over the mind of the children of God. I'm guilty at times myself. Oh, when, when we're looking down instead of looking up, and this is not a criticism. This isn't to, to criticize you or, or anyone else or, or myself included. This is an encouragement for us to, to pick up our head for the Holy Spirit to come in and touch our chin and just raise our focal point from the circumstance and situation back to Him. I want to mention four different ways that we might find ourselves being discouraged or being uh, tempted. You know, it's not a sin to be tempted. We're all tempted in life. Temptation is something that's common to all men. The, the thought or maybe the urging to go against God's word or to, 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 to involve ourselves in the certain lifestyles and practices uh, that can cause us pain that God speaks to the Christian about to stay away from and to abstain from is something that we all face. And, and uh, uh, 
around, there's so many different things that we, that we can face in that. I can't surface them all. That there's, there's lust, there's sexual immorality, there's, there's drunkenness, there's, there's all types of addictions, there's, there's greed, there's selfishness, there's, there's bitterness, there's resentment. There's all types of things that we can be tempted to, to harbor as an idol in our life. And when it becomes a lifestyle, when it becomes something that is produced through our faculties is when it becomes a sin. It doesn't mean that it's so much a sin and just in our, in our thought while it's laying there unless you entertain it. Unless you've decided that, that you might not be acting it, but you've made it a lifestyle in here. And you carry it with you every day. That's why he says, if a man looks upon a woman and he already has her in bed with him in his mind, then you might as well have already just done the act. Well, what does that take? That's a long, drawn-out process of thinking and putting details into situations. We don't talk about these things. But we do this in, in many more ways than just with, with sexual immorality. We do it with anger. We can be angry for days. Uh, we do it with fear. We can be fearful for days, months, years of our life. Bitterness. And these are the four things that I want to surface today and just touch on them briefly. The first is, is fear. We can all be tempted to worship fear in our life. He says, fear is an emotion induced by perceived danger or threat. Oh, I don't know how many times in my life that I, because of how I perceive something, I put details to it. I put thoughts in people's mind. I'll, 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 I'll walk it all the way out, whatever it is, the situation I'm in, and I'll come to the end conclusion, not even having made another step, I'll, I'll make my own movie of it. Oh. And, and most times, it's a negative scene. Especially if it's something that causes me to draw back or it might cause some anxiety or fear to set inside of me because I don't know the outcome. And, uh, you know, a lot of things start, start running through my mind. I wonder, is the Lord going to be able to see me through? Is God who that He is, who that He says that He is? And in this situation, and in 2 Timothy 1, 7, He says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of what? Of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We can be guilty of harboring and in the temptation of being anxious, of making anxiousness an idol in our life. What is anxiousness? It's worry, it's un, unease or nervousness about something with an uncertain outcome. It goes hand in hand with fear. It says uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the Word of God says that we're not to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, right, we let our requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're going to be going through a lot of Scripture today. This isn't going to be just a, a regular preaching message. We're going to get into the Word of God. I can say a lot, and I'm used to saying a lot, but the Word of God can say it all. And I believe we need our compass pointed that, that there's somebody that needs to hear this this morning that needs some scripture to go and, and to be able to have in their arsenal and in their tool bag of life as we walk this life out to be able to battle the enemy with. Uh, bitterness. 
You know, how, how many of us struggle with bitterness inside of the church, whether it's about things of family, whether it's about how life has, has played out or, or treated you or you perceived to have treated you? It can be, it can be a whole lot of things. Uh, how, how family members have reacted and, or ex-husbands or husbands and wives or ex-wives. There's a lot, whole lot of things that can come in, in for this bitterness. Uh, what is bitterness? It's anger and disappointment about being treated unfairly. How many people feel that they've been treated unfairly today? How many people in the church feel that the church has been treated unfairly because of the direction of the government and the moral corruption that we see in society? And, and we, we, we arbor a resentment inside of our heart toward things that we cannot change. And the Lord said, bitterness does one thing. Here's, here's where it goes. Hebrews 12, 15. He says, To look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Hey, bitterness not only affects the specific individual, it affects people around you. Why? Because it grows. It grows and produces a fruit that other people eat of our life. Uh, the fourth is anger. As anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. I know I'm going through these kind of, kind of quickly, but I believe all of us, if we're honest, we can identify with one or all four of these. I can identify with all four. Oh, I get angry about things in life. That causes me a sore displeasure. Certain certain people that or or certain uh, certain groups of people uh, that come that may seem to 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 try to, I guess, come against uh, you moving forward in the kingdom, or or maybe their their moral compass is so twisted, and the more that you try to speak the word of God, the more they battle you with the theology of the world to justify the madness, and and you get angry inside your spirit wants to wants to lash out, and you want to come into a place of rage because you know where it leads to, and and when you watch the world and the chaos in the world today, and even in some of the church, even with the denominational things that's happening. I mean, look at what's happening in, in key, some key mainline denominations that's splitting. How much of the church has got angry? I don't know how many Christians that I've had conversations about this that's spitting, frothing mad, basically foam wanting to come out of your mouth, trying to, trying to defend the gospel, and, and, and we're speaking about things that's happening and going on in bodies of worship with such resentment and such anger and such hostility. And he says, look, that's not to be part of the Christian life. He says, Proverbs 22, 24, here the Word of God says, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, which means you don't walk a distance with them. Gee, that's, that's pretty hard. That's drawing a hard line. Well, it says, Ephesians 4, 26-27, Be ye angry, and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Anger causes a breach in our life, which allows demonic influence to come in, to wreak havoc. He'll, he'll wreak havoc in our spirit. 
He'll, he'll wreak havoc in people around us. He'll wreak havoc in a church. He'll, he'll wreak havoc in, in so many... He'll wreak havoc on your job. Wherever anger is, there's going to be confusion and there's going to be, there, there's, there's going to be a, this, this friction because anger and the Spirit of God and the blessing of God cannot go together. They're like water and oil. They will never mix. So the Lord says for our protection that we're to stay away from. He says we're to recognize these things when they're part of us. But see, He gives us great encouragement. He says, look, guys, it's, it's serious, but it's not that serious. There's none of these things that have overtaken your mind that's not common to man. Everybody is going through something. Everybody's going to feel these things or be tempted to even walk in it at times for a measure of time. He says, but here's the difference between a child of God and somebody of the world that has no way to escape that. See, there's people that's built their whole life and identity off from these four main mainline temptations or characteristics of, of the Antichrist. He's, it, they've, they've built lifestyles off from bitterness because of childhood. They've lived 40, 50, 60 years of their life angry, bitter, resentful, couldn't keep the same job, couldn't keep the same wife or husband. Could, could, they just can't be consistent in anything because it comes out in every area. They may be able to harness it for a little while, and then there's another outlashing or an outpouring of this, of this bitterness or this resentment that's so deep inside of them that they can't control because they have no way of escape. It's the same with fear. There's people that live in isolation that won't even come out of their homes because they are afraid of everything in life because something has hurt them. Something somewhere along the line at some point in time of their life for the most part has caused extreme pain. So they take that and they relate it to everything around them. That there's the possibility. There's a possibility that it might happen. Absolutely. There's a possibility for everything in life. There's, there's a possibility for, for anyone in life to treat you a certain particular way or for them to walk, for them to ignore the Spirit of God and to bring up a lifestyle to walk in these certain emotions and feelings to where it extends from their body and can hurt you. The body of Christ is not exempt. People of the church is not exempt. Leadership of the church is not exempt if it's not addressed. Okay, so the Word surfaces these things for our protection and, and to help us to remove it so that we can move forward. And what is uh, moving forward? When he says that there is no temptation, but that which is common to man, but God is faithful. He is a consistent God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can bank on His showing up for you, if you allow Him. He says, He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. He says, He will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He doesn't say that He won't allow you to drag the temptation around longer than what He intended for it to ever be in your life and for you to wear it like a cloak of righteousness. Then it's going to, it's going to bear you down. It's going to have effect in your life. Why? Because it hasn't been addressed. He says there's a specific way to address the temptation. 
that he makes a way of escape. What is escape? Escape out of the Greek means a way out. It means to move forward, to march. It means to go in a forward direction. Escape. It's like a soldier that's being trained up on the battlefield. They learn cadence and they march. This is what it is. What do they march to? They march to a sound. They march to a tune. See, we spoke last week about the Christian life is, is to produce a certain sound upon the earth. It's a noise. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's, the Lord says that those who are my sheep, they will hear my voice. It's the sound. What's the sound that you march to in your life? What's the beat of the drum that you march to in your life? Some, and I just feel the Lord speaking this to me right now, some march to the wrong beat off the radio with certain secular music that, that speaks all types of wickedness and debauchery and hate and murder and rape and drug dealing and all types of things. And so when we get into these when we get into these places of temptation, this music starts coming on. Or we, we heap up shows uh, on, on TV that where people are, are macho men and, and they're, they're, they're running around like Chuck Norris, you know, beating people doing all types of things. We, and it starts to do something inside of us. Look, when I was a drug addict and I was running the streets, I listened to all of those. I listened to everything from the pit of hell that I could put in my ears. Every Metallica song, every Cottonmouth King song. And I think, you know, some of these, some of these, uh, some of these big name bands, every rap song that, that had to do with, with any type of wickedness or, or would get me moving. Man, you want to talk about music getting somebody moving. I would get moving with the beat. It would come in and take control of me. I'm talking to do crazy things. I'm talking about, I ain't going to mention from this pulpit things that it would lead me into doing and it gave me an energy and a drive because it was a sound. It was a sound that I was accustomed to, but it was a sound that done something for me. But when the sound of the cross, when the sound of Jesus Christ come into my life, those same sounds exist. I can hear them. It has the potential. At times, if it catches me unaware and I hear it at the wrong time, to, whoo, he's a little bit closer to it. You know what I mean? And I'll find myself in there listening to the whole thing. Next thing you know, my spirit's drained. I'm in a place in my mind and in my emotion that God hadn't intended me to be. All of these things are being fed. Fear's being fed. Anxiety's being fed. Bitterness is being fed. Anger's being fed straight from a source from the pit of hell that caused destruction and chaos into my life. But at the same time now, there's another sound. It may be faint at times. It may seem like such a far distance, but the Spirit of God inside of the believer, He moves inside of our life. He is faithful to convict us. He's faithful to show us, oh, that's the wrong sound, son. That's the wrong beat. And it may be seem like a, a hundred miles away, but you feel something. And the Bible is very clear about being careful not to ignore that sound too long. Because the longer you ignore the sound, the further away it goes. Not that God changes place. We change further and further away from Him. And He says, if you're not careful, I'll let you have it all. 
I'll give every bit of it to you. And we do it to ourselves. So, and at times in my life, I've walked that path and then I've blamed God for everything that's happened as a result. And I'll say, well, God, why didn't you, where was the escape? That you ignored the escape route. To escape means to march. To, to escape means to go to a, a new destination. And that's what, uh, when you look at the Strong's Concord, it says to move out from to the outcome of a new destination. It's departure. Departure from this place. Not further into it, to go a different way. That's where repentance comes into place in the life and the mind of the believer. Is to turn and to march to a different tune. You don't just hear the sound of the Lord. When certain things, when... When, these, when certain things in the life of the believer, like these four, and there's, there's many other that may come up. There may be lust, greed, all types of things that can come up into our life. If when we hear the sound of the Lord, you know, when the word of the Lord comes upon us, it's one thing to turn when you hear it and recognize it. It's another thing to turn and start walking toward His voice. Okay? That means we lay it down. The Word of God is so clear on this for the life of the believer and for the health of the, of the church, for the health of our, of our life. He says, you lay it down. Qu don't go back to it. Quit going back to that awful sound that, that's going to wreak havoc in your life, in your family, and people that you love. Quit going back to it. Turn and start marching to my tune. You know, it's something about military personnel. They have to learn this. It's so strategic. They, after a while, they just will start naturally. The mind can retain noise and sound in such a way, harmonize it. They're marching to the same beat, to the same tune. They know when to step because as soon as the sound comes, they're moving their foot and it just comes so natural to them. See, as the life of the believer, our escape is to become a natural way of life. Our, our escape, as we get used to the sound of the voice of God, is to become natural like a knee-jerk reaction. When the temptation comes, bam, you hear the voice of the Lord, He hits your knee, He hits your elbow, He hits your joints so that you can move. That's what the Spirit of God does. He moves us, and He does it for our protection. He says, I will be faithful to move you every time. I will move you. That is not a, I might. It's not a maybe. I will if somebody needs moved in the house of God today, He will move you today. Not tomorrow. This second, He will move you if you allow Him. The word of the Lord is true in all ways. Jeremiah 33, 25 and His promises are something that we can take to the bank. His promises are, are, are something that lasts. It's, it's, it's something that uh, we, can, we, can, we can depend on. Uh, he's not a God that, that gives us something and gives us blessing and then just jerks it for His good pleasure and just to see what it'll do and how that we will react. No, because in James He says, All good things come from the Father of lights. And when He gives it, He's not a God that casts a shifting shadow shadow. He don't move His position. We move position from Him. His position remains the same. And His position on temptation
temptation, and his temptation on escape is one of this. He says, Jeremiah 33, 25, But this is what the Lord says, I would no more reject my people than I would change my laws that govern the night and day, earth and sky. Jesus. Somebody needs to write that down. Somebody needs to get that in their spirit this morning. That your God loves you so much, it doesn't matter where you are at. It don't matter if you're sitting in a stinking dope house with a stinking crack pipe hanging out of your mouth right now. God says, but this is what the Lord says. I love the but clauses in the Word of God. I'm addicted to them. Everything that I have wrote down in my personal study, everything I've built my ministry around is a scripture that starts with but. Because always I've been on the other side. But then God met me and He says, this is what the Lord says. Son, I wouldn't reject you anymore. Then I would change my laws to govern the night and the day. Your action hasn't dictated my love for you. Jesus, where you are, don't dictate my feelings and my thoughts for you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change my thoughts and my love toward a child of God, he says, more than I, than I would change the earth and the sky. Jesus. Isn't that encouraging, church? God is a God that don't whip us in a place of temptation, even when we might walk in it for a period of time. He is a God that's loving, that's just there with an outstretched with outstretched hand, and He does it through His Word, through the Holy Spirit moving through His Word, however He sees fit to move. And, and He's just standing there with His, with his hand, up, just like the prodigal son, the father of the prodigal son, never completely closed the door for the son. He didn't go chase him down. He let the, his position stayed the same. He didn't chase him into the hogstein, but he knew who his daddy was. So he knew where to come back to. They were not called to chase him down. Hey, we're, we're not called to, to be kicking dope house doors in and, and going in there and tying up dope dealers and dragging our loved ones out. No, no. We're called to pray for them. We might even stand and surround the house and pray. But the Spirit of God is the one that will come into their life to draw them to something consistent. But if they can't see it in you, what are they going to be drawn to? Sometimes we're waiting on to be, to be drawn to the church. We're praying and we're asking them to come into the church, but they have to see the church in us to even come into the church. Jesus. I thought that was so interesting about the parable of the, or the story of the, of the uh, prodigal son. That the Father never changes position. How, how beautiful is that? Thank God. I've got a God that does not change His position. He's ready to take me back at any time. Because of anything, through any situation and any circumstance, because He is faithful. We're going to go to Isaiah 55. And I want to share with you something out of the Word of God, out of Isaiah, of what He says about our life who that we are, and how He makes this way of escape for those that are looking for an escape, for somebody that's thirsty. Jesus. This whole scripture starts out with, basically, are you thirsty? John 7, 37-38, He says, on, that, on the last day, the climax of the, fast, of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty... 
Anybody need a drink today? Anybody need an escape route? Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from your heart. Jesus, Isaiah uh, 55, starting in verse 1. Jesus is speaking in John 7, Isaiah 55. Is anyone thirsty? Out of the NLT. Are you thirsty? Do you need a way out? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why, why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does, that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Luke chapter 9, we went over last week of Mount uh, Transfiguration. What did the Father say to who is it, Peter? John, James, who was up there watching Elijah and Moses meet Jesus. They were asleep. They missed the move of God, we read, because they were asleep when He was being transfigured. They had their heads down while He's on His knees praying to the Lord. An example of us that our flesh can be transfigured today on this side of eternity. There can be a glory come upon our life, Jesus, through prayer, through meditation, but they missed it. They woke up at the end of the move. The move already happened. They're, they're wanting to build a tabernacle. They're wanting to erect a ministry off from someone that had already received the anointing that was already moving. Jesus is moving now to the cross. He ain't standing still. They're like, ah, let's build a tabernacle. Let's erect a church and build a teaching right here off from what we just seen. And then the Father overshadows him and he says, Listen, don't you dare build a tabernacle around my presence, boy. You ain't strong enough to contain what I have inside of me. He says, and you're going to build four walls around something off an anointing that you can't handle? And he says, no. He says, here's what you do. Listen to him. Jesus, how were they to listen? They were to listen to his actions. Right? We hold to the teaching. So many people hold to the word, but then we don't act it. And then we find ourselves caught in snares all over, all over the world and we're caught in all types of, of, of confusion and chaos and destruction. And we wonder why I've got the Word of God. Well, you didn't move. You, you, you didn't move when the sound came. You didn't march. You weren't marching. You were standing still. To escape means to march. And he says, look, are you thirsty? This is for the thirsty. He says, listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. And in the NLT, I love this. Verse 3. Come to me with your ears wide open. Jesus. With a faculty of your body that wants to receive. Come to me with a receptive mind. Can you hear the word of the Lord this morning? Am I just preaching a dead letter? I mean, can anyone hear the voice of God, the Holy Spirit speak to us? He says, listen and you will find life. How many people are looking for life today? They're looking for it in a bottle, in a pill, in a syringe, in sex. They're looking for it in pornography. They're looking for it in all types of ways. Jesus. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. This is beautiful. 
something that will last. You might not experience much that lasts in your life, but here's one that will. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. That's a bond that cannot be broken. Jesus, he says, I will give you all the unfailing love that I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations that you don't know, and people unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, or He will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that His thoughts are not like the thoughts of man. Even some preachers, even myself included at times, thank God His thoughts are higher than mine. And He says, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. Don't build the house you can't contain it. He says, it's more than what you can ever imagine. He says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He says, Verse 10, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens. They stay on the ground to water the earth. Jesus. Isn't that amazing? When He sends His rain, it does something to the ground. It does something to our heart. It can't remain the same. In the Word of God, He says, when it's sent forth, it will produce what it was sent forth to. Why? Because He can't take it back. It's not coming back. It's been hit. It's fell where it's going to land, and it's going to penetrate in some way. And it will grow. There will be something that comes up and springs up from the dew of the Lord. He says that, and they cause the grain to grow. It produces a seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my my word. Verse 11. I send it out and it always produces fruit. God's word will always produce fruit in and through our life. It's amazing. He says, and I will prosper everywhere that I send it. That means our life will be prospered for the work of the Lord everywhere that we step. How does that happen? Because when we're saturated with the presence of the Lord, when the anointing comes upon our life, and there is a cost to the anointing, the cost is to have a receptive faculty that wants to hear, that desires to hear, that's on a bended knee, just like the Mount Transfiguration. You want to see a transfiguration in your life? You want to see your church transfigured? You want to see the glory of God come upon you? This is where it is. And when that presence wrenches over top of our life and just drenches our clothes and it's just being wringed out, it drips everywhere that we step. Every life that we touch with our hand, the dew of heaven just falls off from it. The anointing off from our life will touch the lives of those around us. The Word of God will produce that what it was sent forth to produce. You might not see it on this side of eternity, but we need 
need some people to hear the encouragement of the Lord today. That the anointing rests on you through the work of the cross, Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit in and through you. If you are a child of God, when you pray for your family, when you lay hands on your wife, when you lay hands on your family members and you pray, the anointing will fall. It will saturate their mind in some way. It has no other choice. It's going to penetrate somehow. And it's not up to you to water it any longer after that. There's God. He waters it. And then He gives the increase of how He sees fit. Look, you don't know how many people in my life that I have lost that's close to me that's died. Where I didn't know... Physically looking of whether a decision was ever made. But I believe in the power of God that at a pivotal moment in their life, on their deathbed, something resonated with them inside of their spirit. And they turned their life and surrendered it to the Lord Jesus Christ before they took their last breath. Jesus. We need some people in the church to shout amen. We need some people in the church that believe in the power of God today. That says it ain't what it looks like. Jesus, it's not about my perception. It's the perception of the Lord. Let's take the scales off from our eyes. Let's move forward and march with one purpose and say, it's not what it seems. And people need to say that out loud and just declare it over your life. It's not what it seems, devil. Jesus. We're going to read a few scriptures here of who the Lord is. He said, uh, this is amazing. This Romans 8, 16 through 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we are an heir. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If needed, we suffer with Him that we may be glorified together. Jesus, we thank God for the suffering when it comes in our life. That's a hard pill to swallow at times when we're focused in the wrong direction. Myself included. It's a temptation from the enemy to curse the suffering. It's a temptation to allow anger, bitterness, hostility, resentment, fear, confusion to set into our life when nothing comes upon the earth without it coming through the hands of the Father. And he says, now you are a child of God. You are an heir to my throne. Jesus, he doesn't forget his promises. He don't say one thing and then a hundred years later he forgot what he told this people or forget what he told you 25 years ago. No, it stays the same. It's who you are. It's who he is. John 1.14 he says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and, un and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, one and only Son. Jesus, that's Jesus. Jesus working in and through our lives. Here's some scripture I want you to write down. I'm going to read through these as quickly as I can. I just, I feel like that uh, somebody needs to get this in their spirit this morning. The Word of God can say it all. Luke 10, 19 through 20. Here's what God says about you as a church. Behold, I give unto you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He's given you power. He's given you authority. He's given you an anointing on the earth to manifest the presence of God 
Acts 2, 17-21. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. All your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those last days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is an anointing that wants to flow through the house of God today. There is some, there's a freshness. As the Spirit of the Lord wants to breathe fresh once again into our lives to give us the faith and the capacity to believe God for great things. And he says, Luke 24 through 29, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That power has been released upon the earth of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. He says, Acts 1, 7 through 8, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons. The Father hath put it in his own power. Oh, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the othermost parts of the earth. Jesus, he says, quit worrying about the times. God, it's not to quit letting time do you. We do the time. The church is to be the master of time. The time clock is to catch up to us. It's not to, we're not to be catching up to it. And he says, it's only where the anointing is. It's only where his presence lies. It's only with those that have, that, that have taken the time that's bent the ear enough to be able to hear God's word, to start memorizing this letter, start declaring it over their life. That's where the power comes from, men. That's where the power comes from, women of God. It's through his word. And he says, John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes into your life. I added that part. But that's not adding, taken away from the Word of God. It goes with the whole context of the letter. So don't take me into the end of the book of Revelation. Cast me into the lake of fire quite yet. He says, "Is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. We're men and women of vision. Men and women that have answers for today. Jesus, John 6, 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Promise after promise. Ephesians 2, 6 through 10, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and has made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward those through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 1 Peter 2, 9-10. You are a 
a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but you are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Jesus, can you not see it all through the letter? It was... You're here, then there's a but, and now you're marching to the different tune. And this is the conditional promises of God to fall upon our life. Some promises are conditional. Well, when you hear those things, but read it, study it yourself. Some promises in the Word of God are conditioned and hinged upon your spirit. Some are unconditional, like our salvation. When we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, we shall be saved. There's no condition. That's, that there's no work of works that can take you the distance because He went the distance for you. Amen. Jesus. All we've got to do is declare Jesus over our life and believe, repent of our sin, and we shall be saved. That means we still don't deal with sin. No. Direction changes. Those that are my sheep hear my voice. There's the sound you can hear Jesus. Revelation 21 through 10. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys of the bottomless pit. Church, this is so encouraging. This is yet to come, but it will happen. And a great chain is in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And then I saw thrones... And they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death had no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Jesus, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in that beloved city, and fire come down from heaven, and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented night and day and forever and ever. Revelation 21, 1-6. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were all passed away, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for former things are all passed away. 
And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, Jesus. For these words are true and faithful, Jesus. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst. Here it is. Jesus, of the fountain of water of life freely. Jesus, are you thirsty? Jesus. Now here, when we stop being thirsty, see, when we stop losing our taste for His water, the faculty to receive is closed. And a closed faculty cannot be fed. A closed church cannot be fed. A closed minister cannot be fed. If you think that your knowledge up until this point and your infinite knowledge of the Word of God, that you have been, you have been preordained for such a time as this to bless everybody, and you're blessing people, and your study is off what once was, it's dry and going to be a desert place for those that have need. Because what is going to change people's life? The Word, a fresh Word, revelation from the Word of God, from an anointing that touches the heart and breaks up the soul. It breaks up that fallible ground. But if you're stuck in one place and what you know about God and what you're teaching about God come from 10, 15, 20 years ago and it's the only thing that you know and you're not hitting your knees any longer in the presence of God for a fresh word, the church will die. Jesus People all around you will die and perish because the anointing is cut off. It's not saturating the ground. It's a dead letter. Jesus, we need life in the letter. What does he say? Those that are athirst, it's a fountain of water of life. Water moves. Water don't stay in one place. Jesus, when it stays in one place, it becomes a dead sea. It's stagnant. And this is a warning to the church. Don't let your teaching become a stagnant pool that people feed off from that's not moving toward the presence of God because nothing will come out of it but more death and destruction. Jesus, we need a church that's moving, that's on fire for God, for the things of God. Jesus, may we be a church that's found moving in cadence with Him. When He sounds the sound, that we march to the beat of His drum, that when the sound comes... We're limber enough. See, if we're stiff and we're too stiff and we don't bend, why does he talk about a stiff neck so much? It's not just a neck. It's, a neck is a joint. He said, if your joint won't move, I can't move through you. Jesus, can we hit our knees? Jesus. For there is no cost for this water. Jesus is the water. His Holy Spirit causes it to flow. Jesus. I pray that that registers with somebody in the house of God today that you can write down those scripture references. Start reading it. Start declaring it over your life because that's who your God. That's the God that you submit your life and give authority 
over. That's who He is. Jesus, He loves you. Unconditionally, He loves you. But may we be able, as He loves us, may we be able to receive His love. There's nothing more disheartening than watching someone that can't receive love. That has such a wall built up around them. They can't be loved. They can't be loved by the body of Christ. They, they, they can't be loved in discipleship ministry. They, they, they can't be loved anywhere. Anything you try to do, they just cannot be loved. That's not that they can't be loved. They won't allow themselves to be loved. Because love is vulnerable. You've got to put your guard down. You've got to let people be able to move. You've got to let the Spirit of God be able to move. That's that place of limber. That's that place of humility, of, of love, to where when He does hit the sound, we're able to go. Hey, we're able to move to go. And we're receiving where to go, how to go from Him, Jesus. With that, I'm going to close. I'm going to play a, uh, a hymn of invitation. I, I know that um, it was a little bit longer than usual. Not that it's not usually 45 or 50 minutes for the church service anyway. I'm accustomed to that. I wanted you to be able to hear all the word. Not just give you part of it, to give you a foundation to be able to build off from. Take the church declaration home with you. Start, start reading it. Start declaring it over your life. Look, guys, it's like this. A church body is to be together, right? We're united. If you join a body, it's because you want to go the same direction that they're going. You know, we, we don't march to different beats. Here's, here's the issue of the whole church division today. You get direction, there's some leadership, we're asked to move, and people will refuse. They'll move the direction that they're always used to moving and say, I need that direction. I'm in a membership role. I'm doing it. Power of God's on me, baby. And it's happening where I'm at through my teaching, and it's happening through all of this. It's, it's God will not move in a church that's caught in that kind of mindset that can't move in one accord and march together. Jesus, what are we marching to today? Can we do it together? How about leading up to the revival service? If somebody has the time to be able to come and everyone's schedules are different, can we pray together for a move of God for Poole, Kentucky? Can we get on the same page? Can we be purposed together? I'm asking. I, and I feel the Lord is asking this church, and we do it together. It's together. Everything's together. It's not apart. House divided cannot stand. Jesus. Um, I'm going to give a moment of invitation. If you would like someone to pray for you, be more than happy to pray with you. But now's the time to be able to respond to the voice of the Lord as we always give an altar call in this church.